Welcome to episode four of season eight of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I'm going to be interviewing Kristen Molinar on the show. And Kristen is the founder of Yes Boss VA, and she has a wonderful niche where she helps entrepreneurs book podcast features. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, outsourcing VAs and especially when there's a niche product that or a niche service that is provided. So this is going to be kind of a, you know, nice complement to the season that's all about delegating admin and getting virtual help. So let's go ahead and talk with Kristen. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Well, welcome, Kristen, to the Simplify and Multiply show. I'm so glad you're here today because we are going to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur in your business, how you started, how you scaled up with a team, and some of the decisions you had to make regarding scaling up, and then how you shifted your business a little bit to tighten things up so you could reduce some of that I don't want to use a bad word, but inflammation <laughs> of a team that just seemed a little bit too unwieldy. So uh, first, let's, you know, just in case my listeners not familiar with you and your business, talk a little bit about what your business is and then just take us through that journey, because I'm, I'm curious about the details, too, because you and I don't know each other super, super well. But I knew you would be perfect for this particular season. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And I've been looking forward to this chat since we met. So um, gosh, I guess I'll start here. And that is that, you know, I'm the founder of a company called Yes Boss. And very simply put, we are a podcast booking agency. So we help people get booked as guests on podcasts specifically. Um, you know, we we're pretty obsessed with podcasting. I love guesting, you know, so we live and breathe that all day long. But my journey is has had like lots of ups and downs and pivots and figuring out, you know, how to expand and what's working and what's not working and all this stuff. And I feel like I'm not really doing my story justice by not starting with the fact that it all began with entrepreneurial failure. Um, you know, oh, I quit yeah. I quit my last like quote unquote corporate job in late 2014. Thought I'd be a fantastic entrepreneur uh, because I was a fantastic employee. <laughs> <laughs> and that and, translates so perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, well, I thought so, you know, and uh, pr my pride really got crushed 14 months later. Um, I had made like $5,000. I was trying to sell my expertise in the in the industry that I had previously been in. And it, it was horrible. Mm. So... I needed to do something for a paycheck and I had heard about, you know, hiring virtual assistants and I just thought, you know, I've learned all these things about entrepreneurship, I can be a virtual assistant. So I got my first virtual assistant gig in early 2015 or no, early 2016. Okay. I need to just write these dates on my desk so I don't 
So I like really know what, so I can be definitive in my, my date sighting here. So, um, I got my first gig making 15 bucks an hour and quickly realized, you know, I've still got to think like an entrepreneur and leverage this. And so Mm. I went from $15 an hour VA to in 2018, I know this for sure was my first breaking, uh, the six figure mark. And in 10 months we were able to break six figures. And, um, so we, you know, started, with a wide variety of services, niche down, uh, then expanded again, <laughs> and then have niched down again. <laughs> so, you know, with that it has come a lot of team building and trying to figure out where to place team and and how to leverage them in and in what ways. Um, so it, it's been quite a journey and we can dig into whatever aspect of it that you want. I feel like there's so much here <laughs> because my journey has gone so many different directions. Yeah, totally. But I'm glad you kind of gave that in a nutshell type of a a context. So it guides me and it also gives our listener a little bit of background as well. So what I'd like to do is start with when you first were doing your own VA, you pimping yourself out as a VA, you know, kind of like when I started my business, I was pimping myself as a website designer, you know, the time for money thing, right? Yep. So I I think you were doing a lot better than I was. I think my first gig was seventeen fifty an hour. And that was building websites like that made people money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my <laughs> and I'm gosh. like, oh, yeah, I've come a little bit further since then, you know. <laughs> but what I'd love to, for you to talk about is if you can remember back then a few years and think about what were some of the things that you went like, snap, I have mm-hmm. got to leverage. Yep. But if you're doing that time for money model, what were some of the decisions that you were looking at making to create the scale so you could have that leverage and reach the income goals that you had? So almost right away, within three weeks, um, I had a client ask me if I could write blog posts for a nursing a website. And I said, yeah, of course I could do that. And I sat down to write the blog post and thought, are you kidding me? This is really my job now. This is awful. And in that moment, I remember looking at my contract because I had had an idea. And that idea was, can I find somebody for less than $15 an hour to write this blog post for me so that I could just make money off the top and not have to do this darn thing? Because you know, I kind of like the getting new clients thing. Like I'm like, I've figured out how to sell myself effectively again because I'm thinking more like the employee. You know, it, it felt like I went back into like interview um, interview thinking and I always rocked interviews. And so it kind of like switched how I was thinking about sales. So anyways, I found somebody in the Midwest who was a college student who would write blog posts for me for like seven or eight bucks an hour. And in my mind, I thought, you know what? I would rather make seven or eight bucks an hour myself passively, literally not doing a single thing, then make $15 an hour writing these blog posts. And so from day one, every job that I got, I was looking at ways to bring other people in and do it so that I could, you know, have other people do the labor so I could make money off the top. So right Mm -hmm. away, I was functioning as an agency because I didn't want to do the work. (laughs) I wanted to Mm -hmm. hack the system. Um, But for several years, I stayed the face of all the work. So I, you know, I now know that that's called account management. you kind of white labeled it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I stayed the face of everything with the clients, but was always looking for ways to more efficiently and effectively bring in various people to do the work behind me. Yeah, and so in in many ways, you were still spending time on it. You were still investing the relationship building and the client management. Because that's similar to, to how I, when I brought in a team for my business and tried to, you know, 
offload a lot of my design work that was very time consuming. Yep. And I was being such a perfectionist with that stuff and my level of quality was way up there. So it's like I'd spend way too much time doing things because partly because I enjoyed it and I just had a high standard. Uh, when I started offloading that to other designers, uh, I was still very involved in the actual client relationship. And so the the designer or whoever was working to produce the asset was someone who my client never even knew about. Like I never right. said, oh, well, Dan worked on that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so what that did was that enabled me to still have that one point of contact where they felt served and they were getting a professional experience. And I didn't right. have to worry about, you know, bringing people up and teaching them my, my way of interacting with, you know what I mean? Right, and right. that was the complexity that always stifled me in building a team, a big steady team, like a traditional agency, like you said. Yep, yep. Uh, in my business. And to this day, I still am reluctant to have a team for that reason, mm. which is why I'm moving away from direct implementation and focusing more on strategic work. Yeah, so yeah. I've kind of, you know, niched down in my business too, like you have in yours. But when you got to the point where you started taking on more of these assignments, right? These engagements mm -hmm. as a VA and then having your your squadron <laughs> do all the executing for, for those great margins. Um, what were some of the problems you ran into in managing these people? Well, what I think the biggest problem that I ran into is I just, I figured out that I couldn't make myself more than like 60 or $70,000 a year if I was continuing to do all the client facing. So, you know, I really didn't have a ton of problems finding and managing people when I was the face of everything. Um, I was very specific in the kind of work that I brought on. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that I had a niche at the time, but I did do a lot of social media management. But my objective was to find clients who wanted something where I could put together a plan and then we literally ran with it month after month after month after month. Yeah. And I didn't have to keep doing that strategy. And this was also during a time where things like, you know, Facebook and Instagram weren't, didn't feel like they were changing every two seconds. You know, I okay. got in before that. And so I could put together a plan and it would work. You know, organic reach was working, all that stuff. So, you know, it really was easy. Now, when the algorithm started coming out and that started messing with things, you know, I would have to do more strategy calls with clients. And that's when I kept getting dragged back in thinking like, you know, this just sucks. <laughs> you yeah. know, I built yep. this system out and I didn't want to touch it anymore. And I keep having to be dragged back in. So, you know, as I was client facing, yeah, I don't think that I had very many challenges with the team, but stuff like design and I would say copywriting, like those two things are things that I never touched with a 10 foot pole because, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't imagine trying to explain that to somebody else. My stuff yeah. that I was offboarding was very admin from the start. Mm -hmm. But I did get to a point where I realized like I need to niche down because I'm ready to scale to the next level. And that's when I realized I need to bring on people who do account management for me because that account management is really hindering what I do. And that was a scary leap. Um, yeah, I remember that. bringing on, I think I brought in. Now you're talking about business development account management or existing clients? Uh, a little. So our business brought in a ton of new clients and continued to serve old clients. Um, I'm trying to think if I actually transitioned any old clients into account new account managers. 
You know, I don't think I did. I let them phase out. I stayed the face of most of it. Well, admittedly, I had an assistant that was helping me field a lot of the communication, but I was still the face of it. But when I grew to the next level, like, so I went to this online, or not online, I went to this um, in-person conference, and from the stage, they were teaching that you needed to do online shows or tele-summits in order to grow your list. And sitting in that audience, I was thinking, heck, I've done these before. Like, I've Mm. done summits for clients. And so in that moment, I decided, I'm just going to be a virtual assistant agency that specializes in summits, and I'm just going to tell everybody that's what I do. (laughs) I I, I mean... You're so funny. You're just like, this is it. I'm doing it. I had been looking for a So many people vacillate, and they're like, what do I do? I'm so lost. What? And you were like, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had been thinking I needed to find a niche for a while, and the opportunity presented itself, and I just thought, you know what? Now or never. Like, come on. What's going to happen? You know, if you get a couple clients, and then that's it, it fizzles out. Like, okay, you could do the work. Not a big deal. Well, that's when we hit our first six figures um, in 10 months. So that means bringing on 25 plus clients, like almost in the blink of an eye. It was insane. Wow, sweet. So I remember having to find account managers. I was uh, interviewing people on the weekend, hiring like three people at a time, built up a team of six people that were all communicating with clients, trying to figure out how to manage all of them. That's when I realized that I had a new bandwidth issue because one person is only supposed to manage so many people, which I didn't know that existed. I thought, (laughs) I'll just manage 100 people if I need to manage them. (laughs) Oh, it was just absolute chaos. But yeah. but everybody was communicating with their own clients, you know, for the company and doing the work on the company's behalf. And um, I was kind of run, running around trying to be super woman, you know, helping everybody learn how to do this thing they had never done before and impress our clients. It, it was insane. <laughs> it was you were insane. worn out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. I was. That's the power of getting niche down, right? <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. And I made, I made so many mistakes though, too. Like the power of niching down is you can blow up really nicely and you are able to bring team members in because you can very, very easily teach somebody how to run your systems. But, um, I had to hire so fast that I remember within a period of 10 days, I fired three people also because they just, they were bad hires. And that was a low point for me realizing like I need to get rid of these people because I can't train them out of some of these habits that they have. Um, But I don't regret any of it because now I have found this new level of confidence in selling. So my first level of confidence was kind of reframing selling for myself, like realizing, you know, I've always been selling myself all my life. I walk if I wanted a job. Really did a good interview. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever job I wanted, I always got um, because I was selling myself. And then I realized when I had a team that I could sell other people's expertise so well. And it all has to do with how you position it. So now when I talk to people, I say things like, my team is amazing. Like my team produces amazing results. I believe it. Like so, I mean, 1000% my team Mm -hmm. is amazing. And it's so much easier to sell for me rather than saying that I'm amazing. You know, and I've had people say, well, I want to work with you, Kristen. And I'm like, I promise you, you don't. Like, I'm not a finisher. You want to work with my team. They're the ones. (laughs) I'm just the face of it. (laughs) So I've, I've gone through, you know, these different like shifts in how I have to see my business, relate to my business, how I've had to grow the team and, you know, all these different things. I feel like I'm going off on the tangent on that one. But yeah, it's been very interesting. And I've been glad for every risk I've made and every just like rapid decision because 
that's definitely led me closer and closer to where I am now with a niche that's replicable, that um, you know serves our clients really well, and I have a team that's just rock solid. Now let's talk about and. <laughs> I mean, being a solopreneur is like the best personal growth program, right? It's Ooh. like you learn more about yourself and you test yourself, you challenge yourself more and more as you go through it. And it's painful because you have to deal with stuff that you don't want to face. You have yeah. to confront things that are uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yet the potential that's on the other side is just unbelievable. And I, I love the spirit that you have about your work and how you approach things. And you're so smart from the standpoint of, of this leverage approach that you take and really being able to trust a team. And, and essentially, your, what I'm feeling from you is that your, one of your strongest skills is your ability to create a product out of people. Yep, yep, so, yeah, you're right. So, you know, essentially, without those people, you don't have a product. You're right. Yeah. yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but you've articulated it perfectly accurately. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, like in, in, in to talk about myself a little bit, because it is my podcast and I get to do that, you know, but it's like when I when I look at my business and, and what's kept me at certain levels before I kind of broke through and, and went to the next level, it was always my, I don't know if it was insecurity or selfishness or whatever it was, but I always felt like I had to pee on every tree. I had to get Terry's DNA in every little thing that nobody else could do it as good as I did, that nobody else could take care of my clients like I did, that I wanted that whole experience. Plus, I wanted all the revenue. I didn't want to right. share my revenue. I mean, I was barely making enough in some, you know, points in my early uh, days of being in business and stuff. And so, you know, for me to look at what I do that way, that's why I've shifted what I'm offering, because for me... The product is me. And so in order for me to create scale, I have to develop ways to disseminate what only I can deliver. Right. And that is through live interaction as well as, um, you know, just like why I created Pappy Club, which is like all my training, what's up in my head and, you know, that people can access over and over. So I don't have right. to repeat myself. Right. But there's a there's a level of what I do that's very, very very customized because I intuit a lot of my engagements. And as you were talking about how, you know, you had clients are like, but I want to work with you, Chris. I want to work with you. Well, honey, there's your high ticket program, by the way. So you can sell <laughs> yes. five positions for 150K a year yeah. and you'll be their personal coach. That, I've had a few know, people try to convince me to coach. I, I have, you're not the first. It's been interesting. <laughs> I'm so resistant Well, you know, maybe that's it. the next one yet to come. But that's how you can really get yourself into the, the seven figure space um, yeah. is to... Yeah. Because if there's a demand there, and I can see why, you're amazing, right? And like, so sure. You know, like some people are like, meh, 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 meh. And well, like, I only so talk sure. about it when I'm sure. All the, <laughs> all the second guessing is done like in my private time going, what the heck is going on? No, but well, I, I do like know it. decisiveness. No, it's, it's, yeah, no, it, it's super important to like have that projection and that energy around uh, certainty. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, I know you've been through bumps and changes and like frustrations getting there. Yeah. But what, that's why I said, it's like, you're like, boom, you know, when you're there, you're there. I get such a strong feel for, from you about that. And I think that's a really unique characteristic about 
uh, about you in particular and why I think you'd really be good one-on-one. I think anybody who could work with you one-on-one on whatever that is, whatever gives you joy, right? Whatever you feel that you'd like to help that, I, I think that you would just freaking kill it. <laughs> well, when I see other people's things, I am pretty stinking decisive. I'm also very opinionated. So if, you know, I see somebody else doing something that I don't think works or, you know, I call it shooting, you know, seeing other people shoot themselves in the foot, I will tell you. <laughs> no, mm. I will not hold back. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all opinionated because we all have unconscious bias. We all have judgments. We all have values right. and beliefs that we're filtering everything we, you know, live through. Yeah. But you vocalize it. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm not shy <laughs> about that. That's the difference. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because that's why I think I like you because I'm the same way in many regards. Like I'm very direct. When I feel that intuit pull yep. or when somebody's giving me a line of BS and I'm like, I call them out. I'm like, listen, why do that? Just stop there and do this or yeah. stop, like, you know, well, give it up. It's, you, it's, you're not getting anywhere. You know, it's like I, <laughs> I come right out and I tell them. And, you know, it's so funny because I have such a natural, empathetic, nurturer side to me yeah. that once it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, man, why did I just say <laughs> But truth is kind, you know, like, True. Yeah. and, and it, the people that know people like us know that we share these things because we want the best for other people. And I think for people like us, sometimes it hurts though. And this is probably why I've never coached is if people don't do what I'm telling them, I'm just like, oh, I can't want it more than you want it. And sometimes I just want yes. it so bad for people. Yeah. And then it just frustrates me. Um, and yeah. you know, so that's kind of why I've. Well, I you I've need to. I'm gonna. It. I'm gonna coach you live on this show. Like, there we go. You need I'm to do up, some. I'm open to it. <laughs> you need to think. You need to do some thinking and work around that because you're withholding a real gift. You really are. And I remember, I think it was Chris Kenny that said uh, one of these coaches he worked with. I don't know if it was his first big, big like high price tag coach, but <laughs> it was. Um, he had been asked to do something by the coach. He got on a, one of the calls and the coach said, did you do what I asked you to do? And Chris said, no. And he hung up on him. And then he called back and he said, oh, by the way, there's no refund. Click. And he told, I, I might not be telling the story exactly correctly, but Can I was Can I be like, that kind of coach? I suppose ballsy. I could, right? <laughs> wow. So I was like, to have that level of certainty to have that yeah. much confidence in the result that you bring to your clients. Dude, that is what I feel you got under that skin of yours. That well, I do have that. <laughs> yes, I, there are people that have not paid me and I've given them my advice because I do want to share my advice yeah. with other people. It's why I started doing podcast guesting. That's where this came from is I wanted to be able to tell people what to do. <laughs> But, you know, I've told people and um, oh, I, I just know that I know that I know. I'm not going to tell you what to do unless I know that it works. And yeah. I've done I've gone down the wrong path enough times to be able to identify what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And there's some there's something to be said for what you can see um, in what somebody else is doing versus, you know, what you're doing. Oh, yourself. it's the objectivity. We oh, have gosh. beautiful objectivity with other people. We can't see crap with our own stuff. Yeah, right. Right? Can I we mean, just like, like clone ourselves for ourselves? We live in a major blind ourselves? spot. Like, yes. Our life is the blind spot. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Perceptions, everything is skewed like sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Even the way when we see ourselves in the mirror is not how people see us. It's the it's the most bizarre 
fascinating thing I've ever encountered as I've, you know, as I, because I've done so much research in neuroscience and cognitive psychology and perceptual behavior and all. They just fascinate me. I'm just uh, curious, very, you know. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so true. But that's why, <clears throat> and that's why I love solopreneurs and why I'm so passionate about working with solopreneurs because we have such a mountain to climb when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, but once right. we get up there, it's the transformation is amazing. And yeah, sometimes we'll get a bad coach or we'll be in a bad program and we'll bounce around and blame the program, blame the coach. But yet we're moving along on that journey. We're always moving forward. And I think that the, the coaches that have pushed me and pissed me off and challenged me to go into very uncomfortable places have been the ones where I've had the most growth. Mm, that's good. And I thank them and appreciate them for that. And um, and I will continue as a solopreneur. I need that because we live and work in a vacuum. Yeah. Even in your situation where you have a team, you're the CEO, you're the leader, right? It is lonely at the top. And we yeah. have to get the right kind of support, the right kind of guidance to help us be strong in, in our resolve in yeah. our goals, our strategies, and what we're trying to do while having some fun. Yeah, fun's good. <laughs> so let's shift this over a little bit. And Chris, I want you to talk a little bit about, so our, my listener is going to be thinking about or considering or may have already hired, had some bad hires maybe, had some yep. bad experiences, yep. had good experiences, maybe the person left and they ended up getting stuck. You know, like one of my colleagues just had his VA go back to college. Mm. And she knew she'd worked with him for like five years. And she knew, his, you know, like, I'm sure she knew his pants size for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it was very, it was a very tight and he has, he runs a very intimate coaching practice. Right. And so for him, he's like, oh, crap, I've got to find somebody and create this rapport because this is a client facing position, right? So he mm -hmm. made that person, um, uh, I think it was his client relationship manager or something like that. So they could be in any one of those situations. So I feel like I'd I have advice already just based on oh, okay. what you said. But ask me, <laughs> tell me what direction you want to go for this. I'm well, thinking just, all the things. <laughs> well, I've, I've had guests on this season that have talked about, you know, making sure you got process and documentation. So you want them to be successful. Yes. But what are some of the things that you learned since you've worked with so many people and you worked with them in different capacities as yeah. far as what your hires were? And like you said, you had some not so great hires. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you want to advise as far as what to watch out for, what to consider, what to be open to when it comes to starting actually talking to people about getting them to help you in your business? Yeah. Okay, so I hear two things that are going that are two places that this conversation can go and I would I think we should take it both ways. So the first one is like the actual hiring process because we have done a lot of investigating about how to get A players, high performance people in the door. How do you vet those people? How do you find them? How do you know that they are? Um, I've had a lot of people say the right things to me. And, you know, my dad has been in the restaurant industry for many, many, many years. And he finally told me, Kristen, you um, need to judge people based on their actions, not what they say to you. Because I had a lot of smooth talkers that got in the door. Mm. So we're talking about hiring process, but then there's also what you do once somebody is on board. And so I will say that in our hiring process, I think it's like seven or eight 
<laughs> like steps long. And there are a number of things that people have to do before they ever talk to me. And so I want to go through this and give really specific information that anyone can implement. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Are you feeling so burdened with busy work that you're not getting the important stuff done in your business? Well, as we're uncovering in this season, you don't have to do everything. As a coach once said to me, the thing must be done, but it doesn't have to be done by you. The great thing about making decisions about how you run your business is that you can choose what to do yourself and what to automate, outsource, or eliminate. But if you're not sure where to start, let's talk it through together. Book a call with me at pappychat.com, and I will help you clarify a plan on how you can get the help you need. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T dot com. Let's get you focused on what gives you joy through expressing your 1000% and offload the stuff you don't want to do so you can make more runway for your business to grow. The very first thing that we do is in a job post, we are giving a very specific instruction. And usually that instruction pertains to what to put in the subject line. What this does for me is it fo- it tells me, can people follow directions? Very, very read? simple, right? First step. Can you step, read? Yes. Can you copy and paste? Um, and I don't open any emails that don't have the correct subject line. For me, it eliminates like 40% of people right wow. there. Then what we do is we follow up. And depending on the role, we have to identify like what's the next phase. So for us, we have, you know, we're doing a lot of client-facing roles or potentially somebody that's not client-facing right now, the way that the hierarchy within Yes Boss is, is that you may be client-facing at some point in the future. Like you start in the back end, but then if you've proven that you're good, you move to the front end. You know, we don't, we don't now hire people straight into client-facing. You have to work your way through our system, which is been such a godsend. That system yeah. is so I much can, better. I can very obvious. <laughs> oh. <laughs> very obvious why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple things that we do. Um, a couple tests that I'll just kind of go through and, you know, for everybody listening, you kind of pick what what test works for you. One of the things that we've done recently with the client facing role is we then ask somebody to send us a video talking about a few key things. So, you know, we had had one one video request because we were working with clients in a like nuanced area. So this was before we were doing podcast outreach. We had clients that were coming to us with all kinds of requests. So the the prompt that we gave them was, what would you do if somebody asked you for a Jeff Walker style launch and you had no idea what that was? How would you approach that conversation? Because we need to know, like, can you think on the fly? What do you think is the appropriate response to this? And then, you know, in something else where it's not as specific or something's more you can ask a more general question or a personal question. doesn't really matter. Um, so we're reviewing how, if people, number one, are people willing to get on a video? Are they willing to take time out of their day to get on a video? Yeah, like, totally. you've got to work for this. This yeah. job is not a favor. Um, and so we were surprised at how many people came on. And we were surprised at what people did. Like, some people are, like, reading a script. Some people look really nervous. And one thing to highlight for me is I don't care if they look nervous. I almost like admire more the people that look nervous because I'm never going to ask somebody to record video content for me. Like I'm not looking for another (laughs) entrepreneur, but they were willing to do it and put themselves out there. So to me, I'm like, I like this. This is really great. And they're willing to learn. And, you know, I think that's wonderful. So then from there, we asked somebody to do a test project. So we're really putting them through the ringer. 
One of my favorite test projects, because our jobs are very heavily admin, was we asked people to take a very poorly formatted Google document and create a MailChimp automated email out of it. So there's two things that we did in here. One is we didn't include a subject line. And two, we knew that they couldn't schedule it unless they had a paid account, which chances they are. They didn't have a paid account. So we wanted to see what they were going to do with that stuff. We didn't tell them that we had these little, you know, tricks in the process. (laughs) We didn't say anything. We just wanted to see what they would do. We thought that the people that we would want to hire would come back to us and just tell us like, hey, can you provide a subject line? The subject line's missing. And, you know, by the way, I can't schedule things. What we have found is the high performers did something even better. They read the email so they could get a feel for the context of the email, wrote their own subject line sent it to us as a test and said, I noticed that you didn't include a subject line. I have written one for your review and approval. If you want me to change it, I can. What this says to me is you're not going to wait around for me to dictate how to do every single individual aspect of your job. You know, we do our best to document everything, but you can't just hire people that check tasks off a list because if there is no check to check or no box to check, they're not going to check it. They're not going to be thinking about the bigger picture. They're not going to get curious. They're not going to want to be thorough. You're going to train them to literally stop when the boxes end. And I don't want to work with people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what they also do is just take a screenshot and say like, you know, I don't have a paid account. I tried to schedule this, but I can't. And we're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. You, You passed our test. That's all. You know, we didn't really expect you to do that. Then they get to talk to me. And only then, after they've gone through all of that stuff, it's been such a huge time saver for me. Um, You know, I, I, before I had all these processes in place, I would have, you know, five interviews scheduled in a day and three of them would no show. And I was just banging my head against the wall. It was such a waste of time. But when somebody's committed that much time already, Mm -hmm. you better believe they're going to show up for that interview. Yeah. Yeah, and I now it becomes that. difficult to weed people out because we're like, holy cow, all these people are really awesome. <laughs> How do we choose now from here? You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I want to put a pin in that for a second. Don't lose your train of thought because I want you to get to the other part. Yeah. It kind of makes me think, is there a way, you know, from a business development standpoint for my listener, as we get our prospects on these console calls or, you know, whatever thing we're doing to as a lead generation, um, I wonder if there's a way that we can take what you just described and put prospects through that. Because how many times do people, you know, we're so we're so giving on the front end of what we're doing in our lead gen and providing free information and join my Facebook group and all that stuff. We're like, give, 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 right? And then, you know, when we ask them, let's get on a one-on-one and talk about, and that's the sales conversation, right? It's like, you get the no-shows, right? Or you get the people that are like, oh, I can't afford that. And then you have to go through all that, you know, rigmarole and stuff. So it's like to have a, you know, and some people do applications, but applications are, you know, they're a little impersonal and kind of like you can kind of tell you're getting vetted to see if you can afford the program or whatever. But there's got to be a cool way, a fun way to get a prospect to kind of earn the right to be in your program. Kind of like they, because if you think about it, they're doing a service and they're getting paid by you, but at the end they're helping you too, right? So it's like they, it's a give take. And I think that the fact that you're making them 
understand discipline up front by going through these phases, you know, you're evaluating and assessing them through what how they handle it. Right. But you're also saving yourself time from the time wasters. And I know business development has a lot of waste in it, has yeah. a lot of waste in it because yeah. everybody's so resistant to the sale. Um, even though it would be something that would be amazingly transformative for them, right? So that was more yeah. of an editorial comment, but maybe that's something <laughs> you and I can have another conversation about and how we can put our brains together. Like, how do we do that for biz dev? Wouldn't that be cool if there was like some that. really fun way you could get, you know, like, yeah, I got this amazing program, but it's like, you have to go through these three. <laughs> you got to go through these three kind of like criteria testers in yep. order to uh, even get a conversation. Well, uh, there's a about. coach that I'm talking to this week and they have a really great pre-sales process that you oh. can talk about. Yeah, I've been taking notes myself like, ooh, because I want to make sure that I'm attracting the right kind of client because yeah. you know we have a niche service, but we're wanting to really hone in on the kind of people we're bringing in because it's easier to fulfill for like service providers and agency owners. Well, you know what? Here, let me jump in again because I do that because it's my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Just because what you're doing, and this is why I love that you brought that up. What you're doing is you're in, even though you're niche to podcast, there are so many hundreds of thousands oh, of different yeah. types of podcasts and different people are doing different things yep. with their podcast. And, and there's so, different objectives for guests as well. Exactly. So yep. believe me, I've had some real great people on my show and I've had some really awesome people on my show. <laughs> and so what? I don't want to be disrespectful of prior guests. And um, but here's the thing. You you really don't know how a guest is going to be until you get them on the, the program. And yeah. as you can tell, because you're live with me now, right? I just wing it. I interrupt. I go down tangents. I because for me, that's a real conversation. I agree. And and I get more out of my guests and, and you're bringing so much value to my listener. And that's the most important thing for me on the show. So I totally get why you want to refine even further the caliber of people. So it's not like, oh, pick your industry. What's Where do they hang out? You know, that typical marketing crap. Right. That's like marketing 101, right? But it's like, what are the characteristics? What are the integrity levels? What are the interests? What are the focuses that, that we can refine this even further? And I love that. Well, love can I that. say that selfishly it makes fulfillment so much easier because mm. right now we have a few different nuanced clients and I'm having to talk to my team through like, well, they don't follow that rule that we have in our SOP because blah, 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 blah. And then I'm saying to them, I'm really sorry that I signed this client. I'm doing better to weed these people out because we don't, for us, you know, because we are productizing our service so that right. I can scale to that level. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want those nuances. And I'm realizing that that is like a pre-sales conversation or, or my hypothesis, I'll say at this point, because I haven't proven it yet. But my hypothesis is that's a pre-sales uh, vetting that I need to do, like content that I'm giving to them before they I jump agree. on a call with me. Yeah, I agree. And, and here's the thing. You are going to be able to provide more potent service. But how are you learning this? You know, like, Unless you're going through and learning the hard way by bringing, oh, in, yeah. you know what I mean, bringing yeah. in people that, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, we this is we blitzed this as well. When we launched this, it was like all of a sudden we had seven, no, nine clients, mm -hmm. you know, within two months of launching the service, and we couldn't 
have learned what we have learned as fast as we have learned it had we not just gone out there and gotten clients in the door. And, And remain, my thing is like, I have to remain humble about it as we go through the process. Like, do whatever you can to serve your clients as best as you can and and realize that not everybody's perfect. We're not going to be perfect, but if your intent is good and you're willing to over-deliver if there's some reason that there, something happens, which thankfully we haven't had anything happen. Um, but I, that's what I learned, you know, from the first time we blitzed out something that I wasn't prepared for the scale. <laughs> if you keep your intention good and you're willing to take responsibility for things and, you know, deliver at all costs, even if that means you're going to eat, you know, eat costs, literally, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you've no, just got to do we it. We do it every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but well, it's going in knowing that that's, that, that is not like you, you do crap work and then just eat no. it. It's no, like, no, 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 no. You know that you're committed to the result and oh, do yeah. whatever it takes. So Yeah, we know uh, what we're you, trying to get. The journey sometimes looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to be We're going back now and let you continue on to the <laughs> other part because you were saying you could go in two different directions. You covered one. <laughs> yeah. So the other one that, you know, when I talk to people and they say that they've hired in the past and it's been kind of treacherous, usually something, usually this specific thing has happened. I think more often than not, the people that we're bringing into our businesses, especially solopreneurs, we're treating them like taskmasters. And it is so important to share the vision of your company with every single person that you bring on board. And we need to be thinking about every single person that we bring on board is as a leader in their own right. So even if the person coming on board is managing your inbox and your calendar, Let them lead the heck out of managing your inbox and your calendar. Yes, you start off with giving people checklists and SOPs and, you know, all of this great training material. Yes. But you've got to give them and show them the why. Like Mm -hmm. the the hiring process that that I have outlined is going to attract high-performance people that are curious and ambitious. If you stifle them by just giving them checklists and tell them not to think anymore, that is – you're wasting an asset that you've just found. Yeah, totally. You've got to talk about the why. Um, And when I – I started sharing the vision of my company with my team. So, you know, my personal mission is to eradicate entrepreneurial stress. I feel like too many entrepreneurs are doing things the really, really hard way, not simplifying anything that they do. I mean, I'm sure that you can relate to this so much, Mm, but everybody's just doing everything crazy. And so when I told the team, like, look, every part of our business, every pivot has been towards how can we make a difference in eradicating entrepreneurial stress. Like what what part of what we do adds to that mission? My team started bringing ideas to the table. Hey, Kristen, how about we do this? What about we do that? Oh, here's a way that we could be more efficient in this area. Here's a way that we could get greater results in that area. And, you know, I don't take every single piece of advice that my team gives me, but I praise the heck out of them for bringing that stuff to the table because my company is now something that is beyond Kristen Molinar. It is a company that is representative of all the people that have been involved, um, all the people on my team. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that even as a solopreneur, even if you have smaller, more administrative things that can be done, 
you're missing out on some of the assets of letting other people take real ownership and leadership in their role. Um, you're missing out on that by not sharing the vision of your company. Your your company, even as a solopreneur, can expand in greatness because of the different people that you bring in. Absolutely. For I think that's the number one best part about having a team and leveraging them in that way. And you you hit it on the head when you said taskmaster because that's how many and i feel bad for vAs that get Me stuck too. doing the task and don't get brought into the conversations with the solopreneur or the entrepreneur or the owner of the business because you know we do it's like i was saying before we are in a silo and we need stimulation of thought in order for us to expand and get inspired with new ideas um you know like you said whether you run with it or not what they say it's still stimulating your thought and helping you look at things differently because of this pers uh, perspective that they're providing yeah. um, is giving you a new way to look at it. And I love that. Love I mean, it. I feel like sometimes I've gotten what I could have only maybe gotten out of a coach, but I've gotten it even better. You know, I'm not I'm not saying you don't need a coach, but I'm just saying that that level of support can come from a team member because they have a different mm -hmm. perspective. They're mm -hmm. in the weeds and you're definitely not paying them as much as you're paying a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And, you know, because they're bringing it from a tactical level, in many cases, their hands are on making things. I think that there's there's a beauty in that. And I think we dismiss the value of, of the hands on making people yeah. um, and, and how important they are, even if they're scheduling appointments or posting something on social media. I mean, we we that has just as much importance as someone who's doing sales calls or, yeah. you know, doing lead gen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love I've, it. I've also learned to let my people have their own identity. Um, and I think that that's a big um, temptation for people is they want to remain the face of everything. But I think that for me, I've found a lot of value in like if somebody's sending an email to a client, like letting them be them, it is scary. It is so scary. And you've got to be willing as the leader of the company, like if they make a mistake, you are partly responsible for the mistake that they made. <laughs> but it it also is another way that I see the high performance people in my team thrive. Like they well, have it's an acknowledgement to, be to their because it's like they're heard. Right. When they're involved and they get to pee on their tree. Yeah, there you go. There you I go. don't know why I keep using that expression. <laughs> you should name this episode that. No, I'm I know, just kidding. right? <laughs> but here's the thing. And, and the, the, the people who, so it's incumbent upon us as business owners when we have a team and we introduce the team, that it's done professionally. Yes. And that it's presented to our clients as this is part of my team. This is what they do. So yep. if the client's expectations are managed properly, the, I, I have no issue with it. And it's and a value clients, add if you mm -hmm, position it yep, well. Yep. Uh, you know, where it's not done right, it's like, well, talk to my assistant. You yeah, know, that's, yeah, that's kind gross. of the, and then I'm like, oh, okay, great. Well, so we'll put you at the bottom of our list for yeah. a podcast guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole put off on the on the assistant, uh, talking to them like they're that task master or yeah, ta I don't like task that at all. provider. <laughs> well, there's a but, lack of humility mm, there. Yeah. I, I don't mm -hmm. I don't like the, you know, if somebody is my assistant, they're beneath me. Like yeah. my oh, team yeah. has brought some amazing things to the table that I could have never brought to the table, never mm -hmm. could have brought to the table. They, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to value people. Yeah. 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 
That's amazing. Well, my dear, I know that we could talk about a million more things, but I am going to let you go back to your amazing business and the amazing work you're doing. But we may have you back on the show again. So I just want to finish with two questions. And I've actually been forgetting to ask these questions of my guests. But (laughs) since it is the name of the podcast, I kind of have to ask. So what in your business world would you like to simplify? Mm, I'm working on simplifying our sales process. Yeah, we kind of talked on that a bit, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't even know if it's simplifying as much as it is making it more effective, effective, efficient. I mean, I suppose both. Mm-hmm. Make, making, putting something in place that before somebody talks to me, the, some of that work is getting done. Yeah, yeah, kind of like you said, we already kind of yeah, touched on it. And the did. second question is, uh, what in your business would you like to multiply? Hmm. Well, right now we're looking to multiply our clients. <laughs> We've got some good, good, big, solid goals this year. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. may it be an amazing year for you. Thank you so much, Kristen, for being on the show. You've given so much value to my listener and I'm forever grateful to you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.